Can we give him a praise offering here in the house of God? Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. It is so good to see you on this Sunday morning, and the crowd is growing little by little each and every week, and so I'm grateful to see every single one of you, and for everybody that's watching online today, you're with us right now, you're watching a little bit later on, I'm grateful to have you a part of what God is doing here at Kawita Assembly of God. I look forward to this message today. It's going to speak to us. You ready to be challenged a little bit? All right. Hey, if you need a good pat on the back, go ahead and pat the person on the back you came with right now so they feel good about themselves. But if you, uh, you need to maybe look at them and say, you ready for a challenge? Because uh, if not, you're going to get it anyway. All right. And so uh, I, I, this word has just been stirring in my heart. It's challenged me. Man, it really spoke to us in our first service, just a strong presence of God. And I pray it does the same here in our lives today. And I want to just get right into it. We are in week four of coming back stronger. Now, if you think with me, we kicked this off, you know, a few weeks ago, and we started with the book of James. And that really first week, we talked about out of our adversity comes growth. And we came to that portion of scripture where it says, so let it grow talking about our faith, talking about who we are. And so that's really kind of how we began to build this series. Week number two, we talked about dealing with the hard stuff because it doesn't matter what you're doing on the outside. If you don't deal with what's happening within your life, everything else is just gonna quickly fade away. You gotta deal with those hard things inside of your life in order to grow in the way that we are talking about. Last week, we were able to break away from James. We went over into Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. Man, it was Sunday where we were celebrating Pentecost where the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we spoke about that because we know that we cannot come back stronger without the powering of the Holy Spirit. I believe the church today, more than ever, needs to rise up like the early church of Acts chapter 2, move, be led by the power of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do, because if we do so, we're going to be effective in seeing lives changed for the power of God. This week, we want to continue to talk about strengthening our faith, and strengthened faith, it is active faith, and that's what I want to take you here this morning, so go with me, go with me to James chapter number 2. James chapter number two, I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse number 14, and we're going to read down to verse number 26. I know many of you have been in the book of James multiple times in your own personal study. I know as a church, we've been here multiple times. I have no doubt, once again, his word is going to speak to you this morning. So let's look what James writes to the church. James chapter two, verse number 14. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? What good is it, dear Kawita Assembly of God? Let's make it personal. If you say you have faith, but do not show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you do not give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith while other people, well, they have the good deeds. But I would say to you, 
How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons of hell, even the demons, they believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions, they work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute, she's another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without our good works. Now you have to remember who this letter has been written to. Remember week one, it's written to the early church and they are going through a season of adversity. There are trials heavy upon them. There's temptations coming at them from every angle. The world is trying to get them to step away from their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. There are those who are even, uh, who are very religious, trying to get them to go back to an old way of thinking and go back into an Old Testament philosophy of having to live a perfect life in order to know God. And James is saying, hey, don't let anybody take the faith that's, that's been given to you. Don't let anybody take that away from you. You gotta rise up and you gotta be strong. As he's writing this letter, he's been very specific to them about some things that need to change and some things that they need to do and, and some things that they need to be able to engage in. And a big part of that is how they are engaging in this faith that, had, that they have received in their lives. So, in the midst of trials and temptations, James, he is just presenting a challenging message here. And he's saying, hey, it's time to be stronger in your faith, stronger than who you are in Christ. So let's rise up. And let's not only rise up in what we believe, but let's also rise up in how we demonstrate that to those around us. The question is, what do we profit if we're not going to do so? The answer to that, not my answer, but Scripture's answer, is absolutely nothing. You see, in this chapter, James is clearly teaching that the saving work taking place within our life will be one that compels us with a strong faith to love God and to love people and to serve God and to serve people. Nowhere does he leave room for anyone to say that the transforming work of being saved within has to do with how we live out our faith. It is important that we believe, but we also live out our faith in a very strong manner. Now, please understand, how we live it out, how we live out our faith is not just about what we don't do in life. You see, I've been a pastor for quite some time now. I'm not super old by no means. I think the other day I said I was 49. Thank God I'm only 48, all right? I'll be 49 in a couple of weeks. Brian Shepard corrected me the other day. He said, Pastor, the other day you said you're 49. You're only 48. Thank you, Brian, for correcting me on that. I've been a pastor for a while, and I've talked to a lot of individuals, and I still see people today 
making Christianity about what they don't do. And their focus is about what we should not do. And I don't partake in this. Some still even say, well, I don't drink and I don't cuss and I don't smoke. So bless God, I love the Lord. Can I tell you, it is way more than that. It is so much more than what we don't do. It's about what we do. It's about how we live out our faith, how we live in our lives. When we go back to Acts and we read of the early church, we don't see them focusing on what they did not do or what they should not do. What we see them doing is moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. And their mind is on the things of God. Their mind is on the task before them. Their mind is on reaching people for the cause of Jesus Christ. When you are focused on what you're supposed to do you won't even worry about what you're not supposed to be doing amen we get it backwards so many times because we're trying to still live in that perfection we are not ever going to be perfect until we reach heaven amen we're going to make mistakes we're going to trip up over ourselves our faith is not based on our perfection our our salvation and our faith is based on Jesus Christ he is perfect in every way I am saved by faith But when I am saved by my faith and it's genuine and there's a work taking place inside of me, then you know what? Something's going to change and you're going to start seeing that. So it's not just about what we don't do in life, but even more so of what we do in our word and in our deeds every single day. You see, I believe a genuine saving faith, it cannot be secret, it cannot be hidden, and it cannot be held back. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of brothers and sisters like, well, pastor, you know, man, praise God. I love what God is doing. I just don't like to be too vocal about my faith. You know, I don't want to rub people the wrong way. And it's more of a personal thing. It's just kind of this personal thing that I got going on with the Lord. Can I tell you, if you've been saved by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, it's going to come out of your life. It's going to come out of your words. It's going to come out how you treat people, how you treat others. It's going to come out. You can't hold it back. So whether it is loving and serving others or, or, or obediently following the difficult task God has before you, genuine faith will reveal itself through your actions. You see, our faith justifies our relationship with God, but our words and our works justify the faith that is taking place within. Now, here's the question. Pastor, how do I get to the place in my life where I'm living out my faith in a strong manner. Pastor, how do I come back and really be strong in my faith? Because I don't want to go back being the same person. And I don't want to come back and just be status quo. I want to come back stronger in my life. How do you do that? Well, let's look at a couple things. There's two things that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this. Be responsible with your faith. Be responsible of the faith that you have been given. Isn't that what James's illustration was in chapter 1 when he talked about the mirror? You go back to James chapter 1 and you look in verse number 22 and it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen. Don't just hear it. Don't just read it. And as important it is to meditate upon God's word you got to do more than that you got to take it to the next step and the next step is that you live it out in your life he got very specific in verse number 26 of chapter 1 when he said if you claim to be religious but you do not control your tongue you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless in other words you can't just read about all these things that need to happen in your life you got to take responsibility and it's it's got to start showing in who you are in your actions 
and in your deeds. So James to the believers, be a doer. Take action. Meet and minister to the needs of others. Serve where needed. Let your inward faith be expressed through your outward expressions. Because church, if this isn't being done, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're not doing that, then who's responsible? Who's responsible for your faith? Can I say this in its most simplest form this morning? You are responsible for you. That'll preach for a while, right? Can I preach that so loud that it gets to the halls of Washington, D.C.? You are responsible for you. Oh, I got to be careful because I don't want the church to be political. I don't want the church to be, I want this to be a place of healing, a place of restoration, a place of life, a place of salvation. But I want to scream that loud. We are all responsible for what God has given us inside of our lives. James is very specific to the church. If you see a need and you are able to help, but you choose to pass it on to someone else, you're not being responsible with your faith. If you are relying on others to do what only you can do, then your faith is no faith at all. You see, coming back stronger is about coming back with with a stronger mindset of living out your faith in your words and in your deeds. No longer should you have an excuse of why you're not doing what God has called and purposed you to do. God has put a calling and a purpose inside of every single one of our lives. And he wants us to live out that purpose. So let's not leave any room for any excuse. Let's rise up and let's be and do what God has called us to be and to be doing in our lives. Now in saying all of that, I want to come alongside this. And I think I made mention of this a couple of weeks ago. None of us are asked to walk out our faith alone. None of us are asked to bear all these burdens by ourselves. None of us are asked to do everything by ourselves, but we are asked to take responsibility for our own faith and how we choose to demonstrate that each and every day. Galatians chapter six, verse number five, Paul writes to the church. He says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. You see, church family, all of us are asked to take responsibility with our relationship with God. And when we do that, we have to go back to that promise. Remember what James said in chapter 1? He says, but if you're a doer and you act upon that, you will be blessed by doing. So can I tell you, as we come back stronger, let's not wait for someone else to step up and do what God has called you to do. Let's take responsibility for the faith inside of us. Amen? That's what changes right now more than ever. The society we live in needs the church to be doers. We got to be doers. And what does that look like? That means we got to be out on the front lines and we've got to be listening and we've got to be talking and we got to be having conversations and we got to be showing love and we got to be a part of that. We got to be the light of Jesus Christ. We got to be the hands of Jesus Christ. We got to be the feet of Jesus Christ. More than ever, the world needs the church to be strong. More than ever, the the world needs to see the church with a sound mind and at peace and just having this strength inside of her, knowing that the church has the answer and the answer is Jesus Christ because Jesus is what changes our lives, amen? It's the gospel of Jesus that changes us. I was talking with somebody this week. Kevin and Kelly, you were with me. We were talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I could preach the same gospel message every single week, and it's going to touch somebody's life. Someone's going to say, Pastor, man, that word was spot on. It was right on time. You're right. The gospel is always right on time. 
Why? Because the gospel is about forgiveness. It's about acceptance. It's about salvation. It's about life. It's about joy. It's about peace. You better believe it. The gospel message is always right on time. And who shares that message? You and I share it every single day in the way that we choose to live. How we speak, what we speak about, what we do, what we put our hands and feet to do, we're speaking that message very loudly. And can I tell you, if you're speaking it in the name of Jesus Christ, someone's going to hear it and their life's going to be changed. We have to be responsible for what God has given us. But let's look also what I see, what James is speaking here to the church about having that strong faith. Be confident in your faith. I absolutely love the examples that James uses to express his message of living out our faith in word and deed. You saw this with me. Now, I've looked at this passage many of times. I've spoke on it. I've taught on it. And it just really hit home this time around. Look at these two beautiful examples. And go ahead and put that picture up there. That's Abraham and Rahab. Now, when you're a student of the word and you study out these lives, you cannot find a further contrast in two individuals. Think about it. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a man of faith. Rahab Rahab was described as a prostitute. Abraham, Scripture says, was a friend of God. Rahab, she belonged to the tribes and the enemies of God. So when you look at their life, two different storylines, going two different directions, two totally different upbringings. On one side, you got Abraham, and for a lot of us, we're thinking, Abraham, wow, a hero of the faith, a hero of Scripture, just an incredible man of God. I mean, you are considered the father of many nations. You are considered the father of our faith. I mean, we're talking Abraham. And then you go over here, and you're talking Rahab, a prostitute. Some of your versions say she's just outright a harlot, and and this is the type of life that she lived. She lived an evil life. She lived a dark life. Her upbringing was very evil and very dark. And when you put those two names side by side, there is a big contrast if we were to judge them by just those things in which we know. But James takes it a step further because he brings a commonality between the two. Because these two individuals, they have something very much in common. You see, James tells us they both exercised a saving faith in God. A saving faith that transformed their lives and it was made evident by their actions. Both of them put their lives on the line for God. Again, two completely different storylines brought together to demonstrate how saving faith is for anyone who would believe, accept, and to walk with God. Here's why I love this incredible example. That illustration of Abraham and Rahab removes any excuse that you and I may have of why we're not walking in strong faith with God. Right? Because I think we're all sandwiched in between. 
I think, and a matter of fact, I can probably relate more to Rahab. Why? Because there's a lot of imperfection in my life. There's been a lot of darkness in my life. There's been a lot of oppression in my life. There's been a lot of things. Now, I know Abraham wasn't perfect over here. He made a lot of mistakes too, and Scripture clearly shows us that. But I can probably relate more over here because she's just, you know, just this common individual that just has a lot of stuff going wrong. But thank God for his saving grace. Thank God for the way that he transforms us by his power. You see, she believed in what Joshua and Caleb said. She could have hit that day. She could have said, no, I'm not going to help you out. But she helped the spies. She helped them get into the promised land. She was a significant part of their story and of the nation of Israel. Why? Because she believed in what she heard and then she acted upon it. And because of that, she's here today to show us, you know what? If Rahab can do it, we can all walk in strong faith. We're not going to let anything hold us back. We're not going to let our history, we're not going to let anything that's been oppressive in our lives hold us back. We're not going to let any darkness hold us back. We're not going to let sin or a story that was kind of colorful and in maybe some people's eyes, we're not going to let any of that hold us back. Once we accept Christ into our lives, we are becoming a new creation. Amen. We're being transformed and God's doing something amazing in us. And because of that, we have the ability to walk in strong faith. I love it. Because it removes the excuses. It removes the excuse. No one should be able to sit here today and say, oh, well, you know what? I, I just don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Well, I just got too much. No, 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 no. We're not going to go there. You can walk in strong faith. Every person who calls upon the name of the Lord, you're saved. You've been given a measure of faith, and you can rise up in some strong faith. Just like Abraham and Rahab. Trust God. Be confident as you move forward and express your faith in word and in deed. I would challenge you this morning, in your relationship with God, be confident. Be confident of who you are in Christ. In your daily service, be confident. In your call and in your purpose, quit putting down the purpose that God has put in your life. Quit acting like you can't achieve it. Quit putting an excuse out there and says, oh, I'm just never going to be good enough. Quit trying to be perfect in everything. Just walk in the call that God has placed in your life. Don't sit back anymore. If God wants to change your mind, let him change it. If he needs to change your behavior, let him change it. If he needs to do something incredible inside of your life, let him do it. Don't let anything suppress the call that God has placed inside of you. Husbands, he's called you to be a man of God. Wives, he's called you to be a woman of God. Parents, grandparents, he wants you to be people of God. You can live out the call that he's placed inside of your lives. Quit speaking ill of yourself. Quit putting yourself down. Quit walking in fear and worry and anxiety and rise up and be who God has called you to be. You see, again, the recipients of this letter, they were kind of down on themselves. Because there was so much going on around them and towards them that it was hard for them to move in the direction God wanted them to move in. And so James, with this letter, he speaks directly to their hearts. And he says, let's rise up with some strong faith and let's walk in confidence. You see, God has given us all a measure of faith. We can go to Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. He's given us all a measure of faith. But Paul also told young Timothy going into the ministry, what did he tell him? We don't have a spirit of fear or anxiety or worry of anything like that, but we have what? We have power. We have a sound mind, and we are to walk confidently in that. 
So as your pastor this morning, when we talk about coming back stronger, believe, speak, and serve with a confident faith. And remember, I'm not even sure if I have to say this, but I'm going to. Confidence and arrogance are two different things. Now, even though confidence is in the definition of arrogance because arrogance is being overconfident, they're two different things. The confidence I'm talking about is being poised, knowing who you are in Christ and walking in that. Now, as we get ready to pray, let's think about these two things. Coming back stronger. Be responsible with your faith and be confident to live in that faith in your words and in your deeds. Church and everybody out there watching, let's face it. This COVID-19 pandemic, it's changed us. It's changed us. And if we say that we're going to go back and we're waiting for everything to go back just as it was, as though nothing ever happened, you're just fooling yourself because that's not reality. It's not going to go back just to like it always was. It's changed all of our mindsets. It's changed how we interact. It's changed how we do certain things. And not necessarily bad, it's just changed us because it's been weighing heavy on us. And we've been walking for weeks in this different route that we've never been on before. So we can, even, we can either let it hold us back or we can say, okay, how do I grow in this and how do I come back stronger? But it has changed us. So I say that not to suppress you, I just say embrace it and go ahead and allow God to help you move forward as you move on in the call that he's placed within your lives. I mean, it has changed us, right? I heard the greatest example just a few days ago on the radio, and I hadn't really thought about it in such a way. There's been lots of things in history that have changed us. Now, if you've ever been to an airport and if you've ever been on a flight, you realize that today you have to take off your shoes, you got to take off your belt, you got to take off your watch. Pretty much anything metal that you have on, you got to take out. You can't run your laptop the way that you used to. I mean, it's changed, right? Back in the day, from what I understand, because I'm a very young man and I don't have a knowledge of airports back in the day. Back in the day, you didn't have to take off your shoes. You didn't have to take off your belt. You didn't have to get halfway undressed because that's what it feels like in the airport. You know, you're just like, I just feel violated a little bit here going, going through this. You didn't have to do that. Matter of fact, I think in the 70s, you left your, shoe on, your shoes on, you left your belt on, and I think you could light up a cigarette in the person next to you in the cabin, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, times have changed because things have changed us. Terrorist acts have changed the way that we move as a society. Who would have thought as a church that we would have to have a security team? Who would have thought that we'd have to start locking certain doors and have certain entry points and certain exit points? Who would have thought that we'd had to have a security fence around our playground? Who would have thought we'd have to have all these cameras around and people walking around to make sure we're safe? It has changed us and we have embraced it and we're still going strong, right? So sure, in this time, in the COVID-19 pandemic, it has changed the way we do things. It's changed the way that we interact. I know that as we move forward, like today, I've seen people shaking hands and hugging necks. I know that's coming, but it truly has changed us. That's okay. There's a lot of things that do. Think about it. Divided politics, injustice, racism, a constant bombardment of negative news, it's weighed heavy on us and it's injured our nation. Our nation's hurting. Fear and anxiety 
has pretty much immobilized us. Unbelief, spiritual apathy, blurred truth have diminished a healthy and a fervent relationship with God. A society of self has inflicted a damaging blow to our attitude and to our decisions and to our daily behavior. I'm not wanting to bring you down with this message this morning. I just want to keep it real. Church, where I'm getting at is this is such a timely message for us because there's so many things trying to work against our faith, work against who we are in Christ, work against our ministry and our service and the love that we have for others. So much working against you as an individual and as a family unit. So much working against to every one of you that are at home and you're watching this. I know there's just a lot of things daily that just keep trying to work against us and take down our faith. But I'm here to tell you this. Just like James to the church that he's writing to, and we're a recipient of that letter, and I thank God that when that letter was written, God knew that we were going to be reading it someday. When all of this is working against us, we can call things out as they are, but we can then rise up in the power of Jesus Christ. We can walk in strong faith. We can take responsibility of who we are, and we can have the confidence knowing each and every day that as we walk with Christ, he will always lead us in the right direction. Amen? So today, as we talk about coming back stronger, I want you to come back stronger than you ever have before. I want you as a person to embrace who you are in Christ. No more excuses, no more fear, no more worry, no more anxiety. Don't walk in that. Walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. I want you to embrace who you are as a family unit. I want your family to be strong. I want the atmosphere of your home to be strong. Can we quit making excuses why God is not in our homes? And let's just be who God wants us to be in our homes. Read the word of God in your homes. Pray over your kids. Pray over your grandkids. Embrace one another. Get together around the table. Get together in the living room. Get together in all those relationships and make sure you don't leave Jesus out of the equation. Matter of fact, make him first and foremost in your home. Get rid of the awkwardness. You say, Pastor, we've never done that as a family. Well, now's the time to come back stronger and begin to lift up the name of Jesus in your home. Amen. Right? Yes. Lift him up around that table when you're getting ready to serve dinner or lunch or whatever it is. Lift up the name of Jesus and be grateful. When you're filling up that pantry with food, lift up the name of Jesus and be grateful. When you're mowing your yard and putting those pretty little lines up and down that hill, be grateful for Jesus in the home that he has given you. Amen. When those kids come over to the house and those grandkids and everybody's gathered around you, you be grateful for what Jesus has given you in your life. Don't take him for granted, but rise up and just give him the praise in which he deserves. And don't be afraid to proclaim that to all around you. It is that Jesus who has transformed your life. It's Jesus who's given you what you have. It is Jesus who gives you the ability to wake up each day and just know that you're okay and you're headed in the right direction. Amen. I want you to know him in such a way. I want you and everybody around you to know him in such a way. There's no greater life to live than a life in Christ. 
so when we come back and we come back stronger every week, we're going to lift up his name. Every week, we're going to proclaim his name. When we're around and about with each other, we're going to proclaim his name. When we're out fishing on the lake, when we're out camping, when we're riding bikes, when we're doing all those incredible things that God gives us the ability to do, we're just going to lift his name up. Amen. Proclaim him because that's who he is in our lives. He's so good to us. He's our savior. He's our healer. He's our provider. He gives us such a beautiful and abundant life.